Today's episode brought to you by the D4. Fucking Caltrops. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Stay a While and Listen. Tonight we will definitely be joined by uh, Matt and Candace again. Welcome Yay! to the whole damn group. Uh, I shaved off my arm. And we gouged out the extra eyes. It hurts so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I have alcohol wipes for that. It's okay, this episode, I'm, I'm not the most knowledgeable bot, so I can just sit over here and, and wallow in my pain and, and wounds. And, and add off-color commentary of uselessness for general topics, topics that you'll be informed about. And that topic that we'll be informed, talking about today is... Or at least trying to talk about. Ah, shut up. I don't have control of my tongue today. <laughs> yeah. Well, shouldn't have tied it down to your, lo- to, to your lower lip, so... We'll be uh, talking about D&D. The concept of this little series was taking control of one of the big three. And we did Magic the Gathering last week. We did. And next week we plan on talking about WoW, World of Warcraft. Oh shit, that's what that means. Okay, well, that changes my notes. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that uh, uh, tattoo. I've I've watched a lot about sham WoWs, and you know what? I have a lot to say on them. I'm going to have to find some sort of outlet now. I hope you're happy. Some person walking down Main Street in the next two days is getting an earful about how sham WoWs are rip-off. But that is a different subject. This week, we're going to talk about (laughs) Dungeons & Dragons. And to be absolutely honest, we're not going to be able to talk about Dungeons & Dragons without kind of mentioning Pathfinder and uh, Pathfinder 2. Yeah. We're specifically talking about taking over the current edition of Dungeons & Dragons as the big man standing on the top of the RPG pile. Yeah, and we're presently at 5th edition, I believe. Yes, although there's, the rumors, there's rumors of a 5.5 being in the works because the creative supervisor of the line just got replaced, but we're not getting into that. That's theory and speculation. So fun. I I'm haven't getting... found like all that much wrong with five. There are a couple that feel rushed because their rules aren't as fleshed out as others. But yeah, for I, the most I'll, part, I'll be honest. If we did this two years ago when it was fourth edition, oh, we could just do episode after episode bitching about that. But there are some things about five that needs reforming. The fourth edition was a bastard child of an edition. But it was not the problem everybody else had. No, it was. it's what happens when something comes out of the cloning device too soon and wasn't completely formed. Just gurgles on the they floor. Did, they did a very damn good job of making everything level playing field power-wise and then step the fuck out of your way role-playing-wise. Yeah, but they wanted to make it like an MMO. See, I just and, see and that. That's not like... near as much as people think it, they did. Yeah. They focused the game on combat. Which oh, wow, is really? fine for some players. Some players just want to go and be, uh, well, you know. I'm a VTM player, players. Vampire the Masquerade, so combat's one of those rare gems that appears in the distance every now and again. I don't know what you're talking about. I play well, Bruja and Tribute. True. So, I get into combat. I want to find combat. What do you do? Punch uh, something. <laughs> that's only because your husband wants to play completely intrigue. He, I'll give you that. He's gotten better, but... Yeah. 
It's still the system lends itself to less combat than... No, it doesn't. Yeah, it does. No, it doesn't. It's the okay. system that first introduced me to disemboweling rules. Well, yes, <laughs> but I don't know any time that I've gone on a dungeon crawl in VTM. But that's not saying combat. The system lends itself to combat. Storyteller system. It wouldn't be a dungeon crawl, but you could definitely have a street fight. Yeah. So... What's the difference between that and, like, a village brawl Well, in I mean, the difference in D&D, the vast majority of times in mm-hmm. D&D that i played it, there's, <laughs> there's dungeon crawls, meaning that you have uh, a set number of enemies, and it's one fight to another fight to different rooms of no. travel. No, no, no. But that, you kind of stun those are fantasy experience old, that's old, old That's advanced yeah, old. Yeah. D&D old. has grown into this. What do you this? think I played? D&D has grown into telling a story of, for lack of a better words, fantasy superheroes saving the world. No, I always thought that it was a tale of a bard collecting STDs like Pokemon, but, you know, maybe my experience was definitely different. You have some shitty DMs. (laughs) You have some shitty players. There's some shinies in the mix. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you want the shinies? The brown one! (laughs) Gotta catch just them all, a, slowly it's die. It's just a crappy palette swap, Matt. Don't uh, go for it. I want that Trevenant. <laughs> oh, it's just a polished turd. He, he's it's, got, like, it's like you know, having it, a, a shiny shuckle. But yes. real quick to just get it out the way. Mm-hmm. Fourth edition D&D made a very complicated rule set for combat. Yeah. And then made magic and sword fighting equal turn, equal footing. And then tied it real hard to the miniatures mats because the mats were very popular at the time. Yeah, and this is what made everybody said it's too much RP, uh, like an MMORPG because it's all combat. But there, fir- the things that Fourth Edition did do, skill challenges came out of Fourth Edition. Yeah, uh, skill challenges came out of Fourth Edition. They set up uh, how to use skills out of combat, and then they got the fuck out of your way. That's true. They said the last rule of the whole thing goes to the DM. Yeah. Uh, so what would you change about fifth? Then? We're getting to fifth. No, this this is this, this is just this a little is, this, is climb, a I this is just a little this is preamble. Introduction. This is just oh, a little preamble. Fifth edition came tonight. out, and I haven't played a lot of fifth edition, but uh-huh. I enjoy it. He's complaining that he used up all his good comments on our preamble. I know. Oh, mm. the poor thing. Mm. He came too early. No. <laughs> hey, at least I can come often now. Uh, we'll see. Get on your refactory period because we're going to have comments ready for you soon. Okay. Do I need to go make him a sandwich? I don't know. It's a bottle of water. That's <laughs> all it takes. But, um... Stay hydrated. 5th edition D&D went a different direction yep. and did a damn fine job. Away from the people screaming that they hated for us. <laughs> most people... <laughs> most That's people so. agree... <laughs> most people agree that 5th edition D&D does what it does very well. They basically took 3.5, which was a good system, because when 4 came out, everyone looked at it and went, I'm going to try this. I'm going back to 3.5. Yeah, well, 3.5 had so much support that it's not like you could be like, well, you can't use your 3.5 books anymore. They're useless. People just looked at it and said, oh, we still have 3.5. And then Pathfinder 2 came out, and they took a different direction as well. And then everybody jumped on that horse, and it died in the desert, but... They're doing... Both games are doing rather well. Yeah. 
okay, the one thing that really, really annoyed me about Pathfinder 2.0 was Beats? the fact that... No, no. Not even the finished fucking game, but they were, but they were done with it. The fact that their test book, their play test book, was leather-bound and all fancified and, like, a 50 fucking... I realize you It's have. up there. Yes, I know you have it, and I still think it was a ridiculous book and a ridiculous cost for rules that weren't even finished yet. Well, and they knew that they had to jump on a market that because it was open source. More than that, the reason I have the leather-bound, and I do have the leather-bound playtest for Pathfinder 2, is because if Pathfinder 2 did go off, I wanted to have that, I got in on the ground floor, I got this collectible, and this is for collection. This is Matt getting his Godzilla cards. Yes. This isn't because the book was worth that value. Bailante. It was Bailante. worth that value. <laughs> yeah, it would, you know, the yeah, market's got to price out how much. Because we also got to remember that D&D also has something behind it that a lot of new systems don't. And that is nostalgia. Oh, I don't know oh, how yeah. many of you people Fuck, yeah. grew up playing D&D. I grew up playing D&D. I grew up playing... Uh, oh, what is it that has Glitter Boys and the worst rules of it? Riffs. Yeah, Riffs and Palladium. <laughs> I Riff, love that face. Riffs and Palladium. I grew up playing that, not... too. As much as I love the new Vampire the Masquerade that came out, it's not going to tug at my heartstrings because I haven't been playing it as long as I've been playing other stuff. But yeah, you could make a leather-bound D&D book, and people that have been playing D&D forever mm-hmm. don't love it, because it's a oh, yeah. part of what has defined their past. And it's a symbol of it going into the future. If White Wolf wants to sell me a collector's edition book, what it needs to be is the no-artwork version. <laughs> yeah. They need to make... They need to go- Large print, no-artwork version. <laughs> yeah. I would, do, I would do a collector's version of the Werewolf the Apocalypse book. That would be good. I have the... Um, I have the leather-bound uh, second edition LARP rules out in the garage somewhere. Oh, well, I'm just going to your garage it. before I go home and take <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, you'll have to dig through. I don't know how many boxes of smut though. Twenty-three boxes of stuff, not yeah. smut, but stuff. <laughs> Maybe yeah. only two or three boxes of smut. Does, does comic book anthologies count as smut? The smut was slowing down. Um, I get too depends if it's one of those where you're looking at the girl and you can see both her full breast and her full ass at the same time because so she's a nice comic this, book. this is just <laughs> these are Jack Kirby reprints. Oh, okay. Um, no, never mind. Nah, not the same thing. Different type of smut. Background smut, not character smut. Okay. <laughs> God, man, that could, could draw Image comic in the 90s. Oh, this yeah. is just virtually porn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, oh, so God. starting out with what we would change about 5th edition. Mm-hmm. I personally would like to see they did a good job with feats in 5th edition. Mm-hmm. Feats feel important. They feel valuable. I personally would like to sprinkle in a couple more. Not a whole lot, just okay. Just a couple more. But what would you be looking for in these added feats? Like, what do you think no. it's lacking? No, 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 just just more feats per character. Oh, okay. I thought you were like saying already like already available feats as well. Just okay, like, more. I thought the feats that are there are great, but seriously, just 
because you can have builds that you do nothing but use the ability point improvements and not actually have a feat one all yeah. the way through 20, I-, I would like to see instead of maybe every fourth level, every other level, but on the non, the new, the new, the added one can yeah. only be used for feats, not the ability score increase. Just so that, because for me, feats give us a little diversity. If you and Matt both play a sorcerer, the difference between your sorcerer and his sorcerer is your bloodline, your archetype, and whether or not you spent feats. And the fact that yours hasn't shot himself in the face accidentally with his staff. Well, that's why you chose, you know, weren't supposed to choose a wild mage. (laughs) But why not? We're the best. Use a wild magic. We don't know what it does. It does fun things. Yeah, and sometimes it drops a whale on you, and that's how you break your spine. Oh, no, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. no. (laughs) There we go. There's our uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy reference. Douglas Adams reference. (laughs) Uh, Now, as far as... As far as big changes, I have one that's sacrilegious and uber nerdy. Well, let's hear. Let's hear what, 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 uh, what others would would change first. Oh, we're going to Candace. Yeah. Candace, do you have a change for D anD? I I was actually like just kind of sitting here like, ooh, we're gonna piss off nerds. How are we gonna piss off nerds? Let's do this. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, let's our, that's our target demographic. What kind of asshole are we? Because we're a podcast. What podcast doesn't try to piss off its audience at BBC. least a little? Okay, well, they're just English. Do you listen to do Evil like, Genius? Love- evil Genius is good. <laughs> because Evil Genius is trying to piss off their audience. They are. They are. But so you can't get mad at English that's, people That's easily. BBC. Well, okay. I'll tell you what I would change. And I don't know if this has changed. And you, mind you, you have to remember that I, I have less experience with 5 than I do with 3.5. Which is fine, because... I just gave myself a crash course on 5, so... Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I didn't like about 3.5, there's two distinct things. What is the point of being crafting at anything? There's some interesting things, yeah, but... If you sink stuff into crafting, and if you want to do certain things... They did a very good job of fixing the magic item economy in 5th. Yeah, the magic and economy... And crafting almost doesn't exist. Well, right. that's because... If you're an adventurer, what they want you to be is adventuring. Yeah, and they made it more realistic to, I want to make a, a, a full plate suit. It's like, yeah, you're not, that's not your profession. Your well, art. That's limiting. You make enough gold, go and fucking buy a set. And don't get me started on the economy of D&D. Yeah. I buy a ladder for two silver pieces. That's more than I split the, the ladder into two ten-foot poles and ten dowel rods. Nah. I sell the dowel rods for a copper piece apiece, but the ten-foot pole is valued at a gold piece. Yep. That's how you make money. That has holes in it. Holes drilled in it. What Doesn't matter because the, ten pe- the ten-foot rod was only there to, tra- to look for traps. Yep. Well, the other thing that I always had a problem with, and this is probably, once again, It was stupid. But hey, that could break the system straight out the book with no added splat material. Well, and the other thing it was, was being 
Maybe this is just the way I played it. I did not play many of them, but I tried to play Mage or Wizard. Not Sorcerer, but Wizard starting level. I'm sorry, in 3.5, it's going to take a couple levels before you're useful to the party. Oh, fucking 5th edition did a damn good job with this. Cantrips level up with the character. Yes, they do. They go off your character level. So the cantrip you take as a level 8 fighter, you take a single level dip into Sorcerer. Your cantrip does 2d8 fire damage. And you can cast it all day long. So I guess it also makes it that that cross classing or dual classing, whatever you want to call it, was more natural and more easy. Much do. more natural, much more, and much less emphasized. Although, in my opinion, the capstones are kind of weak, and they needed to do a little bit more to make it worth focusing on one class. Yeah, but they're solid. It's very okay. solid. Fifth edition is fifth edition has impressed me much. Um. Speaking of things to change, though, with the spellcasters, fancy and magic is definitely one of the things that I personally would love to replace. And that's the, the spells per day system. Okay, yeah. yeah. I was actually thinking is that something the along rest, the lines. Long rest, refill yes. Rates? No, this is this is straight up harking oh. all the way back to the old editions where it's you have so many spells per day. Oh, pe- spell slots. This is spell, spell slots. slots. This is okay. spell slots. And once you cast that spell, there was no way to get those slots back. Well, nowadays they have ways to refresh your slots on short rests and move things over. Yeah, but not they're so all much. they're all still no. goofy feeling. Whereas I personally, I would love to see something very much more and get the rocks ready to stone me. Let's go ahead and do something that's more akin to an MMO. Give it a mana pool and the spells you know per day, or the spells you know. Okay. Instead of instead of fireball, mm-hmm. instead Being of a instead spell of slot instead of it's a level three spell, fit. yeah, it's a level three spell or scorching ray, a level two spell that can target two or three creatures per level or whatever. I want a component set personally. This is my design. If you like it, tell me you like it, and maybe I'll write a damn book about it. <laughs> but like flame. Is, yeah. the, is the spell. And then at level one spell point, mm-hmm. flame does a D6 damage. Yeah. Okay. Or a level cantrip does a Z6 damage. Okay. And then you can turn a ray component or cone component or ball component. And, okay, ball component's a two-level adjustment, so it takes two of the spell points in your pool. And then... So it's, it's like the build a bear workshop okay, so for your math. So it's closer to how magic actually works in the Call of Cthulhu system, yes. where you have spell points, and the harder the spell is for you to cast, the more points you have to invest except, into it until you basically level up in that spell. Except that this is more of a not quite. But yeah, it's component spells. So like fire, you want to cast fireball. Mm-hmm. Fireballs of level three explosive burst in yeah. regular D&D. So at this point, you would take fire, increase the casting level, so extra yep. points thrown into it, and the explosive setup. Mm-hmm. And so you're casting it as a level three cost. And it, it will it, it do would, the damage it would make for your, it. It would make your spellcasters have to do a little bit of pregame math. Because yeah. 
let's face it, your favorite spells are going to go in the, on your list. Yeah. Well, well and, and any was, spellcaster has to do some of that pre-game work where they're looking at what they want to cast. Their saving throws, yeah. their DCs. And you're looking, well, they're also looking at, okay, am I going to be spending this day in town? Am I actually going to be going out into a dungeon? Do... Am I, like, suiting up for what feels like will be a big fight? Or am I suiting up for multiple little pew-pews? You know. Or the old editions well, where it was the 15-minute workday. Go ahead, Matt. Well, I'm sorry, well, we cut you off three times. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Probably deserve. So Wait, well, what are you going to talk about? Uh, limiting resources. One more time? Limiting resources. One more time? Uh-huh. I'll cut you off one more time? Okay. okay. <laughs> Go ahead. No, limiting resources. So we're Never. trading out one limiting resource for another one, but in doing so, we give it more... Uh, um, more versatility. Yeah, okay. So the only limiting resource would be here are these spells, you have only so many slots. So forget you could replace spells with apples and slots with number of times you can eat per day. Mm-hmm. Now, the new system would be you have any number of apples but you can eat as much as you want till you're full. So mm-hmm. your points are like how close to how full you are. But in an opposite way. So instead and then of saying, have, you know, yeah. ways that you can get around that yeah. at a higher it, level. It means that you can eat different kinds of apples in different ways. Instead yes. of a preset apple that will always be this. Instead of it always being an apple, you could build oh. an apple pie. Okay. Yeah. An apple turnover. But it's going to be more to or eat or less to eat. And so that's the thing. So I was going to say, and if you wanted to overeat, there would be penalties to yeah. having cast over your limit. So exactly. the resource in this and the wizard could, because he's a he, he knows all the recipes and gets all the little bits and pieces. But yep. the sorcerer, he's he's a little more wild, and he doesn't have all the access to all the pieces. But what he is really good at is these three types of food, apples, oranges, and bananas. He's really good at dealing with them, so he gets a discount on the shaping of it. Yeah. So what, what basically yeah. is is that what you lose in a set number of this is what the spell does, it always does that, is you gain the ability to then craft your own spells. Tailor it. Exactly. And in doing okay. that, you have to spend some of your limited resources on when you cast it, depending upon how well or how different or what different results you craft it in. So you need that limited resources to be like a mana pool mm-hmm. for a lot of things to happen. And then they'd have to have a way to refill that mana pool. And so, yeah... This is this is what I would like to do. Yeah, it makes it more free because I could have, you know, let's say something that does mirror image, and I always cast it. It has this effect. The good thing about this is is that it, it gives your wizards the ability to tailor things to a situation. For instance, I could say, oh, well, you can always have a copy of a clone of yourself. Well, what if I want to clone someone else, like a guard, walk them by a certain way, and then other guards would follow that guard? Mm-hmm. You don't only have a spell for that present. But it would be but really easy can. to just kind of yeah. rule at the table. Yeah, it, it would have to be rule at the table with yeah. if you if you can't do something that crazy. Like, Especially familiar... like, you, no, you can't do that at level two. Maybe you can clone a rat, but not a human. But... Well, I mean, the limiting resources being yeah. at level two, I wouldn't have enough mana to clone yeah, a human. Exactly. But, see, I would even see if I had it more that, as like, you know, you can 
try to, but it's just gonna look more like a blob of flesh. You can try to, but it's gonna people. look like that cardboard cutout with the orc standing behind it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, the, and then the thing about it is, is that if you did want something really complicated, really stupid, and they really didn't want it, maybe they could do it. It wouldn't be earth shattering because the limiting resource would be how much mana you could spend, but they could spend all their mana in that day to craft a very good looking clone of a guard to walk by. But that's gonna cost you all your mana because you're low level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the only reason things can cast... And sometimes it's worth it. Yeah. The only reason things can cast Super Fireball or Summon a Stupid Dragon is because they just have that many points. Because mm-hmm. then it'd be like, Summon yeah. a Creature, okay, I want it to be a giant creature, okay, I want it to be legendary, I want it to be magical, I want it to be sentient, I want it to have these abilities, points, 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 that's why a dragon costs so much mana. And now it's a talking mana. T-Rex. Yeah, and that's why that costs so much more mana than summoning a cat. Yes. Because of all the additives. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> why not? But it's still the base spell. But but in doing that, it's still the base spell. But when doing that, it's so altered that it's the same vein of things that you would be using. Yeah, exactly. You just changed it and to such a summoning way. nature's ally is a building block. And is. sleep is a building block. And... Illusion is a building block, and using these building blocks to make the spells, this is just something that my personal little back pocket dream thing. Yeah. Now, you one way you could also limit it further is that whenever they level, they're picking things they level in, and each level mm-hmm. gives you additional points to sink into that. But certain spells they're better at, mm-hmm. so they have more things in the well of like illusion magic versus destructive magic, or you know healing magic versus some elemental magic. And so they could do illusion stuff, but they're not going to be able to pull from that giant well of elemental magic that they know so well. Yeah, that's fair. See, what my idea then was, something that I see at my table happen a lot is us physical fighters. We can go and stab things and whop them in the head and punch them and kick them and grapple them, etc., 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 because we have dex and strength. That doesn't really run out. That's not a resource that you're going to run out of. Okay, the uh, fighter is going to run out of his... Uh, action surge. Yeah, his action surge. The monk's going to run out of key points. It, these sort of things happen. But at the end of the day, they're still going to be able to punch someone or stab them with the sword. Exactly. Which is why the cantrips was such a good addition. It was a great fourth addition. edition. But still, like, the magic, you know, shoot them up kind in our games, always they feel like, well, I only get two of these decent spells and one really good spell and we're Ooh. going through all these fights so they're cantripping the whole time. And it's like, we, you know, sit down and on a bench, eat an apple for 15 minutes and I go from zero key points to eight key points mm-hmm. and they're still sitting there going, Yes, I can That's still. Why... So I would like to see something more akin to like a short rest. That's why the Sorlock is such a terrible combination. Uh, warlocks, Sorcerer Warlock. Warlocks can spend spell slots to regain whatever the Warlock points are. Hex, mm. hex points or something like that. Uh, hex is one of the spells, but I can't think uh, what their resource is. I, the but whatever their resource is. They can spend spell slots to get resource. Mm-hmm. 
They can then spend resource to get spell slots. Yeah. Sorcerers gain spell slots after short rest. Yeah, but like you Warlock spends sorcerer slots to turn into warlock points to turn into warlock spells. So they can just re- they, they become a battery after like four le- uh, after I think it's sixth level. So three of warlock, three of sorcery. They can they can just auto refill themselves. You know what I'd love to see? This is dumb, and I don't care. I want to see something like a system where you're like a magic spell slinger, but like you have this last sound like a valley girl playing this, but no. <laughs> but instead, you have like an implement that can store spells, like mm-hmm. let's say a gun, like a western gun. Okay, and you can store up spells for days you don't use it, and you can rely on that. And then when you want to use really over points, yeah, really efficient, efficient spells. Coffee lock. It's a. It's a. Elven build because they can't, they don't have to sleep, they can trance. Okay. And when they trance, they can transfer spells into a pool that until they sleep, stay there. And so it's an abuse of the, of the fact that the elves don't sleep and the warlock and the sorcery to turn into, yeah, it's stupid and it's funny and it's broken, but it's there. But I agree with you, like, in third edition, three point five, wizards got scribe scroll for free. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I think you should be able to scribe the spells you didn't use that day mm-hmm. without any XP costs. Because so then you can fire and forget them later. When is a fighter defenseless? When is a barbarian defenseless? Now when is a wizard defenseless? Fifth edition took some major steps in the right direction, though. Cantrips leveling up with the character, so you're at that by twentieth level, your cantrips are yeah. doing forty eights. <laughs> I don't care. I can still hit harder on just basic physical damage than a cantrip can. 48? Yeah. But it's... It's better. It's much better than it was. And ritual spellcasting. Can you summon Cthulhu? Probably. (laughs) Okay, so... Ritual spellcasting was if there are spells in the in the book that had the ritual tag, and mm-hmm. I'm certain you can argue with your GM as to whether they are or not, but like detect magic was a ritual spellcasting. Instead of casting it in combat, mm-hmm. you could take ten minutes to cast it, so not feasible in a six-second combat. Yeah, but if you're investigating a room. But... Most of the time, that's when you're doing it, and you're like, and this ritual, sort of magical stares at for ten minutes. And ritual spellcasting didn't use spell slots. Yeah. Well, which is good because there's a lot of spells in 3.5 that you sit there and you go, I'm only going to use this every now and again. Why am I going to side this to a spell slot? Ooh, create water. Mm-hmm. Whoop, whoop. But if I could make that in ten minutes and have it whenever and then not take up my... I'm going to shoot it in the face because the badger won't stop attacking me. Yeah, but you also have... That's one of the great things about 5.0 was that you do have someone that can conjure water, but at the same point, you also have someone else that's like, well, because I have this here elemental just random ability to make things, I can just make you a cube of water. And it doesn't cost me a spell slot or nothing because it's essentially... My cantrip. You know, can you summon water in a place that you can't 
physically see is close by. It depends on the DM. Because if you could, you could just summon water in people's lungs. <laughs> That's exactly why I would say no. <laughs> say, you could just you... walk around with a funnel. <laughs> just jamming people's I stab you water. in the chest with a funnel and I'm Summon water. water into the funnel. <laughs> you know. No, actually, I, And then um, healing spells so the wound dust, closes up. <laughs> no, no. Dust of dryness, and it's something like five by five water cubed, and mm. you figure out a way to just, like, wing that thing into someone and just hold their mouth shut. It's like, well, you just can sleep around and die. I'm sorry. Yeah. I forget. Our our group figured out something janky to do with that shit, and it's like, do you realize how much water that is? That's the thing with doing a wizard. You should be able to do janky stuff, because if all you're doing is, is throwing is... fireballs, then why don't you just play someone with a bow? Or someone with, you know... Because the... I want to feel like the... Yeah. You want to feel like a magical badass. And yeah. for me, because magical badass Because you want to hit more isn't... than one target. For okay, me, it's no fuck that. My, my, my archers put out like seven, eight attacks around. Yeah, on volleys. I think <laughs> I think the freedom of a mage should be able to be yes, making level stuff for. I, when I build any build, I start. I build it at fifth, eighth, tenth, twelfth, and fifteenth. So yeah, you're, I'm a you're nerd. yeah, and you're ignoring like that zero, that one to five level that like. If only we all could. We most of the games my groups play don't want to start at first level. They want to start at fifth. All my groups start at first. We never start at okay. We're starting up, you know, here at this advanced level. That's people a good way to get chased through the woods by a cobalt. When people you run that out played stuff. people <laughs> that played third no. edition straight vanilla third. Nobody wants starts at first level. No, because first level and vanilla third kill you. Yeah, and vanilla You're third. nobodies, but the people that I play with, we start at first level, and we go up and we beat the crap out of some kobolds and go, hey, look, I had stuff. Well, vanilla third and 3.5, like, I always hated starting, my, I love my druids, I love making druids, because you have shape wood, and you have entangling vines. Once you get both of those, you're like, oh... They're entangled in all these vines. Cool shape wood spikes out of the vines. Walk away. Whatever but you makes couldn't you do that good. at first. You had to be at like yeah, fourth or fifth before you got anything cool. At first you're like, I can call a ferret to me. Cool, someone can hit a ferret with an arrow just like they can hit you. So I don't know what you're calling this ferret for. Oh, I'm a I first hate being level one. I'm a first level wizard. I'm going to run away from the cat and I'm going to shoot it with a crossbow. Yeah. No, that was that was that was basically the first level wizard three. Was what's your spell? Bolt. You have bolt, bolt already? No. Thump. <laughs> this is my attack. Thump, thump, thump. No. Someday no. I'll be a good thump, wizard. Thump and then spend a turn reloading. Yeah. Thump, thump. Crickety, 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 thump. Oh, he's got a good spell there. That does way more damage than anything you can do. I'll create water, you bitches. <laughs> Because I've got one use of Burning Hand, one use of Magic Missile, and nothing else. Yeah, that's it. You better <laughs> just have a crossbow, because if you don't get with the Burning Hands or Magic Missile, it's not like you can be like, can we come back tomorrow? And, and I'm a meta and I'm a metagame wizard, so instead I'll use my two spell slots for Sleep and Grease. Yeah. Because honestly, they were more powerful spells at that level. Yeah. Oh, you're asleep. Now the rogue's going to go cut your throat out. <laughs> My favorite was always, why do you know Greece? 
spray grease and lantern. <laughs> <laughs> no, spray grease. Okay, fighter bull rush them first. See if they can <laughs> knock them off the cliff. If they can't, then you light it on fire. <laughs> yeah. I don't have fireball, but watch this. <laughs> you stay no, just cast spark. You, you stay you didn't over have a cantrip. A, you didn't have a cantrip. You stay over there. Some <laughs> cantrips, your cantrips were create light and create food and or create water and yeah, um, it was create water and later on you got good berries. Prestidigitation. They were yeah, all the bacon noise over there. Cantrip. They were all terrible cantrips. They they weren't cantrip cantrips either. They were level zero spells. Yeah, you, and you ran out of those casting per day too. Yeah, it was like I'm an orc. I made light. Whoa, damn it! He wasn't easily distracted by this light. <laughs> it's just say it used to be something to have to work your way up to the level eight or so. But when game, you find a level five or eight wizard, you you realize he knew how to use a crossbow and hide. <laughs> He's still alive. He learned how to hide. The game himself. broke at about level eight. Oh yeah. About level eight was when the wizards became gods and the fighters started to fall off. Yeah. And fifth edition's done a very good job of balancing that out. The wizards still get kind of crazy scary, but I built a fighter that's crazy that's scary. That's always been so. the point of like, quadratic wizards. Yeah. Linear fighters. Yeah. But there's good. nothing wrong with that. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter what MMO you're playing, whether you're playing, you know, tabletop, you know, D&D, whether you're playing a, a MMO, MMO online, you know, wow. yes, those, or Oblivion. Hey, I got a real good jump scale. Why? That's part of being a wizard. You're extremely squishy and you need to run away from shit before it kills you. Whereas But you get to, you survive to end game. You should feel like Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like you killed things quickly, but you also had to run away and hide and then drink some water. Mm-hmm. You know? That was the problem with all D&D throughout the ages, is things don't go down because, quick. Because you're not supposed to be soloing shit, you have a team of people working together. I'm going to make it slip and fall down with grease. The fighter's going to go over and have advantage while whomping well, it in the skull. If you play you by know, the then, rules, that's good, but there's one problem. There's People? one problem that no is that you go. How long is a day going to last in the game? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's four cobalts. I have one time to slip. But what if we see an orc up the road? Should I hold this one spell I have to make grease for if we find something bigger? Should I really use it on these cobalts? And then you start holding it close to your chest, and you're the wizard that never casts a spell until it's like the near end of the day and then you gotta go find an orc just to feel good about yourself saving it. So you're talking about me at the end of every Final Fantasy game with 400 mega elixirs because I never used one. Yeah, because you're always like, I can survive without this. I might need this mega elixir for a big fight. Yeah, and then when you finally find it at the end, you're like, oh dang it, there wasn't a big fight that I could have used this on. The sad truth is the best way to fix that is the same... Is the same damn thing that we've said from the beginning. Talk to your people that you're playing with. 
And like a lot of what you guys seem to think needs fixing in the game, like, well, the amount of fights that happen to your game, this isn't like it's a pre-program thing. Just fucking talk to your GM. Be like, well, so a uh, guy uh, or girl or who, you know, cat, whoever hey, is Steve. hosting. Hey, Steve, are, are we going to have 15 minute work days? Or are we going to be slogging through a bunch of fights? I really don't want to be sitting on my uh, on my daily spells at the end of the session. Well, and the other thing that you'd run into is, A, yeah, either they would... you generally get clues, too, from where you get the fucking quest from. You talk to the people in town. But yeah, but how often do you play a, a wizard? I'm not going to lie to you. Like, what, we're talking about, that what we're talking about right now, this division, really comes from old school Grognards versus new school D&D. Because, yeah. frankly, things have gotten so much better. Because old you talk school, to, you talk to your DM and be like, like when I was running fourth edition, guys, this is the last combat of the session. If you've got dailies, feel free to pop them when it's appropriate. Yeah, we never had that in three point five. Nobody was ever nice like that. Because all you knew, all your yeah, GMs had a surprise villain at some point. Our GM never was. has not ever had like, the, oh no, here's the big bad that you didn't think was hiding behind the tree. Well, we've had that all the time. Three point five was about storytelling with that. But one of the things that always used to get me with that one is, was that technically one gaming session didn't always equal one day. So no, you might go from gaming session to gaming session, and you it's, didn't it's, have a chance it, to ref- refresh anything because I'd be like, "No, it's the same day." And you're like, "Oh well, we used to bring that first gaming session because I thought we'd be done, but now we're like." That's a big thing. Game two of it, and I'm empty. That's a big problem, even in fifth edition. It's still you're, you're, if That's you're, what if, I'm saying. How many short rests a day is the party supposed to be expected to be able to take? See, yeah. that's why I think a short rest should be more lenient than, like, sitting down for a half an hour. You know, what are you doing? Well, I'm riding my horse going back to town. Short rest. That's why I think a short um, rest should just be know. taking a mana potion. This is a good. This is a good point of talk to your players, talk to your GM, get on the same level. Be adults about well, this, and if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And think about it for this. Okay, here's what I think could solve it. A short rest <laughs> is going to have to slow down the story in some way, shape, or form, because the party's going to have to rest. But what if, instead of short rests, you made a potion to do this, and everybody can keep going at their pace, and as long as they keep the wizard with those potions, he pops a potion, drinks it, and refills like a mana, mana thing, and then you don't have to slow the pace of the story at all. Because so, there's sometimes that there's not going to be a point for a short rest. Like, I used so up all my spells, and now that we're just attacked. gave your wizard a can of monster. You yeah, know, at as a much price as, of gold. As much <laughs> as I hate to say it, that's why I was talking about the magic pool system I was talking about, was trying to have a way to build that's a mana potion like a healing potion. That yeah. uh, our magic casters should get a little bit more something on the side of a short rest because not all magic casters do. There's some are like, no, nah, I just get shit back on long rest. I don't yeah. get anything on a short yeah. rest. Well, you know, the fighter and the monk and everything else, are, they're like, all right, I can go and do this entire thing again. And you're like, okay, cool. We're good for another big boss fight. Well, the other guy's like, I'm no, so I'm, tired and well, hungry. Think about it like this. Staff is limp and flaccid. Well, and like, think about it like this. Like, the GM can't, can, the GM can control the flow, but he can't control the player. So let's say that you're on a ship, right? They get into an argument with a person on the ship. The mage picks the fight because the person playing the mage is an idiot. 
So they get into a fight with someone who's fairly tough because he's a seafaring captain. They get into a fight, and you know, not too far from now, they're going to get attacked by pirates. They've picked at this fight. You didn't choose this fight, but if they kill the captain, it's going to kill the storyline. They're not going to know where to go and everything else. So they get into a fight with it. The mage uses half of his stupid spells finding a fight. He didn't need to fight with his pirates, uh, with his captain. All of a sudden, pirates come, and he's like, I don't have any of my spells. Well, I don't have a short rest for you because this was supposed to be your rest, but you're a dumbass who got on a boat and started a fight you didn't need to fight. Even if the he feels justified, we either have to go, well, I should give them a short rest, they all make up, be nice, and then they sit on the boat for, you know, a while. And they can have it. a short rest while the pirates are taking them prisoner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I'm an evil give asshole. Him, give, the, give the idiot mage a mana potion. And then when the pirates come, he's using his gold instead of taking a rest, basically. Or the rest of the party honestly just looks at the mage and goes, Hey, you nerd. Why'd you ki- why did you uh, Oh, but you know that? there's a million in one of those on every group and nobody stops him. It's the same no. guy that if he pays the rogue, tries to pickpocket everyone in a bar. No. And starts a bar fight. No. No. <laughs> at this point, I am much more selective about who earns a place at my table. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot here. of people that can't be. A lot of people get in. We live in ass fuck nowhere. <laughs> you you can you can find a good game, and if you can't find a good game with people, as the pandemic has proven, Zoom exists. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not we're not going to get into guarantee that those good people have pants on, but you know. Well, I mean, but you also can't um, determine what they're going to do. But no, seriously, absolute seriousness. This is something that is best solved by an adult conversation between you and the player. It hey, is. And dumbass, if you go attacking this uh, this guy right now, you're going to derail the entire fucking game. Are you certain? And if they say yes, then afterwards, hey, dumbass, you derailed my entire fucking game. You do it again, and I'm not going to invite you to play at my table. Yeah, yeah because then- at that point, it's not the problems of the game mechanics that you are fixing, it's the problem of the people sitting at your table that you're fixing. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the same way, then you gotta deal with the difference between are you railroading a campaign or are you giving them autonomy? Like, if they can't... Well, okay, you can work around, say, your having a fight with the captain thing. Maybe they hated their cap. You change it from the pirates who are going to attack you to maybe the pirates are about to mutiny and all of a sudden you took away their tyrannical captain and all of a sudden you have like these four pirates that are like, Yar! Ye be the best. Yeah. We wants to follow ye. But in the same token, I'm saying well, if you didn't have, I have to, pets now. If you didn't have to rely on the rest system then that situation will solve itself by being like, okay, he's going to have to take a potion, it'll cost him gold, but the story continues on. No, you it get, doesn't. You get punished for attacking the captain, but now no. you have to deal with like the pirates. Said, but the question turns around is, did you give plot immunity to the pirate or to the captain? Yeah. Did he kill the captain? Well, that's the thing. If you want them to have true autonomy, they should be able to do whatever they want, and then you think of the consequences of it. And here's the that, thing. That, that's exactly are, it. Yeah. Are but, you ever going to have a game... Where somewhere along the lines, somehow, your players did not derail your plan. You can go 15 no. minutes into a game. It is derailed. No, that's what I'm talking about. I see that smirk. I see the smirk of no, a GM going, that's exactly yeah, what I'm talking about. Minutes. Is that but, straight up, there, there's, a, there, there's a meme going around, Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Steve Rogers to... to 
banner. Hey, GM, you're going to have to... How are you so good at coming up with things on the fly? You're always so good at coming up with things on the fly. How do you plan for all this thing? That's my secret, Captain. It's always from the fly. <laughs> yeah. But no, but that's what I'm saying. You're saying, oh, who hasn't had a D-Ring? But yeah. It, it, but it doesn't suffer like if a fighter got into a fight with a captain, and then all of a sudden the pirates attack. He's not out abilities. The thing he might that, be. Yeah. Okay. If, well, I, I, here, what I'm, there you go. There. <laughs> if, if, yeah. Because yeah. If, if it's a barbarian, he's out of rage per day. If it's if a monk, it's a monk it's he's a out of key. key. So what is something else that we could try? The the number of slots on a person that have to be uh, attuned. Yeah, I think they went a little bit far with attunement. I I think too many things need attunement. Or you don't have enough attunement slots. If I was running the game personally in my perfect house rules... Instead of three attunement slots, everybody gets five attunement slots. Uh, I was thinking the same number. Everybody gets five attunement slots. I do the feats at every second uh, second set of levels, but it can only go to feats. And uh, all my spellcasters get back, uh, or everybody gets back whatever their limit resource is. They get the uh, attribute modifier plus half of level at short rest. So, uh, big change. <laughs> My big change has got to be the D20 itself. Yeah, dun, I mean, dun, dun, oh, D&D has kind of hemmed itself into that, but the variable pool for a D20, the, actually what you can get as results and how much that can it vary. It doesn't have a good bell curve. No, it has a great curve right at the beginning. It doesn't have a good bell curve, and but it once you get modifiers that are ridiculous, oh, it becomes pointless. Once you as hit well. fifth level, you're looking for did I roll above a ten? Yeah. yeah. When, did I roll a one? Did I roll a twenty? Did I get above a ten? Yep. Yeah. It's not a clear bell curve, so you can't ever estimate a good feel of. So, like the fate system, where it's the four fudge dice with two pluses, two minuses, two blanks. I was gonna say, here we go. You can keep the d twenty. What if we just rolled more of them and averaged it, or did like that a would give sort you a, that would give you a better bell curve, yeah, but it would but the numbers would get huge. So one, I'm three d six, so yeah. it's eight, one to eighteen. I'm just saying. Well, one thing yeah. that has been done is obviously percentiles. Uh, I don't like and that too much either. That's yeah, that's all over really. the board too. Percentiles varies itself too much. But the Dice is, pool systems are really good. Yeah. Shadowrun and Storyteller. Yeah. Yeah, things that have you Which need so many successes. Which is said multiple D twenty. Uh, the way that Dark Eye does, Dark Eye has Dark you Eye, roll three D twenty. Traveler, which is three D eight. Hero System is three D eight. VGM uh, is multiple D tens. Multiple D tens. Oh. Fate is the rolling the four fate dice and averaging the four dice to get <laughs> one Sh- score. Shadow Run is just a bathtub of D six. Yes. Yeah. But Are your hands big enough to hold this many d6? Zombie, bring me my dice roller. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the problem with the D&D with the d20 is that... They really you, have married the system to the yeah. d20. When you yeah. start the game, it is truly wacky rolls and hoping for the best. When you get to level 10, and you have the... You've specialized yourself with ability modifiers to the point that 
As I long as I botch. don't roll a one. Yeah, I didn't botch. Cool. It is nice to succeed, but the suspense is gone. The are we going to make it is now gone. But at the same time, you are supposed to, like, as you're leveling, like, think, think of a child. At five years old, you give them a coloring book, you give them some crayons. How much is going to be inside the lines? No. You know, that's your, like, level one-ish, two-ish, you know. Then as they get a little older, they're inside the lines more. And as they get older, they start picking, you know, colors that are appropriate to what they're coloring. And that's kind of what you're looking at as yeah, you level up. When you that you're just 20, getting better at it. Candace? Yes. You pick up a set of your watercolors. Yes. You're getting ready to draw something. Okay. What are the chances that you're going to draw your personal masterpiece versus you're going to put the brush straight through the paper? Neither it's one of them is likely. Neither one of them is likely. Neither one of them is very likely, right? No. So but the problem with D20... Time to... The problem with D20 is the roll of the die, you are just as likely to get that 1 as that 20. Now, I know 1s no longer count as critical failures. No, and it's like there's a different way of GMing things. Than for but it's people still have that terrible habit of, oh, I rolled a 1. You just there. ram the brush through the paper. Yeah, where instead it's more the environment. A, a better storytelling tactic for it is saying the environment fucked you because you are still supposed to be an epic level sneaker as a rogue. Just because you rolled a one doesn't mean that well, you just bonked your head the against way, the door. The way the twenty side die itself physically works. Yes, the chances I are equal, that. and that's they where are. I was getting at. Well, and the other thing about it is too is that I was getting more at like. Matt's whole modifiers, and it doesn't matter what you roll as long as it's not a one anymore. Well, yeah, that because you just because you know, I'm do it. I'm yeah. level fifteen, so I have fifteen points into this skill, and I took expertise, and I double dipped expertise because I'm a rogue. It's uh, all sorts of shenanigans, so I've got a plus twenty five to this roll. As long as I don't roll a one, I'm good. Well, and here's the deal: like, let's take your example of. Giving a child crowns. So a level one character is getting crowns and coloring for the first time. Yeah. But at level 15, you have all your modifiers and stuff. Is there ever a time when making a beautiful work of art isn't difficult? Not that it isn't achievable. You have the skills. But is it not difficult at some point? Because when you're rolling these things, you're like, as long as I don't roll a one, you're basically standing there like Van Gogh being like, and first draft, done. And another one, done. This is, again, why I'm kind of sort of liking 5th edition. They got rid of all the numerical plus, plus 2 for masterwork tools, plus 2 for situational bonus, and everything's just roll with advantage. Yeah. It was a rough example. I'm just trying to equate to something in the real life that I'm like, you know, a, a kid compared to the master artist. Yeah. It may take them a day or so, but we're also playing an imaginary game where we're imaginary epic superheroes playing in a fantasy land who can shoot fire out of their fingers. Well, uh, the thing ah. that the, the thing that I always I always yes, like about it. Yes, you can piss lightning too. The thing that I always 
I didn't like about it is once you have all those numerical advantages and stuff, there is a part about the game when you're wondering, is this crazy hairbraid thing going to work? That that's fun. Like, am I going to be able to? That's fun. Having that suspense. But once you take the suspense away and you're like, is this hairbrain thing going to work? Roll. Yes. This is where I hate to say it. It's not the rules fault. Yeah. Okay. If if we're having hairbrain fun shit, is this going to work? It's not the rules fault because no rule system is going to have rules for every harebrained situation. They don't. None of them have the rules for every harebrained situation. That's going to be up to your GM. That's going to be up to your storyteller. That's going to be up to your DM. So, straight up, this is an arbitration thing. This is a who's in charge. Okay. You have two things. You have the game rules, and you have the GM. For the person to have fun, they have to be able to plan the game rules and get an expected result that is upheld by the GM. I agree. Okay. True. So now you get a character. So let's take it from the problem of the GM's problem and the problem of the gamer's problem. So let's take someone like Brian over here. Brian Min Maxes. Okay. Like a motherfucker. If he wanted to, he could make a level five character that could do ridiculous damage with a sword. Right. Guarantee it. Mm-hmm. So you put him in a game with people that are newer, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. So to cause any sort of challenge to these people, I have to challenge the strongest person. Because if it's not a challenge to Brian, Brian then becomes the person that solves everything. Right? This is where a good Brian steps back and doesn't right. hog that spot. We're not yes. talking about a good Brian we're or a bad Brian. We're not talking about a good Brian. We're talking, we're talking, talking about, about a bad Brian. Brian. We're talking about a bad Brian and spells right. it with an I. So he can stab a sword through this thing. Oh, right? settle yourself down. He does a stupid amount of damage. He can stab a sword through the thing and it's a free action, whatever, right? Okay. So I either have a couple of choices because the rule set that there is is what it's in there. I presented this rule set. They built the characters with it and they expect the rules to be upheld. Right? Mm-hmm. So I either somehow separate Brian from the group and have him fight things that are bigger, or have it be something really difficult that Brian can't do. But then all my other characters that don't know how to optimize characters mm. well don't really feel like they're being epic. They feel like they're being sidekicks. Yeah. Right? So when you get to a certain level in D and D, some dude with a sword can do a ridiculous amount of damage by specialization. Yeah. I can't look at that player and be like, you're being an ass because he's following the rules. Your character can't do that anymore because they're not having fun. Because in some way, that is unfair to that player. They're following the rules. But at the same token as the GM, my job is to make sure everyone has fun. But Matt- So does the rules facilitate the fun? And if they don't, do they need to be reevaluated? I hate to say it, but in my personal opinion, the best solution to that is a conversation. It is. Okay. Hey, Matt, you made this toddler vampire that can punch through brick walls. So then we don't make changes to D&D then? No, we don't. We make changes to our house rules, but we've always done. Yeah. No matter what the D&D rules are, 
we're all playing make-believe with dice, per- yeah. pretending that we're following our rules. True, but... But what I mean is, okay, a great example. Does he let, see me, let me replace my argument. Okay. The question is, what would we change about d and Right? Mm-hmm. If we could change anything about d and Mm-hmm. Right? My problem is, is people that... People, the people that break characters aren't always just assholes. I agree, because I people break characters all the time. Some people stumble into that, and they love those characters, and Absolutely. they continue to do that. And it's fun to them, but it causes balancing problems. So, when so, does it become a balancing problem? Okay, hang on. Okay. The question isn't, okay, what would I change about Daniel? I would talk to them. That is one way, but it may not always work. Mm-hmm. The question is, is then... Is there something in D&D that D&D is overlooking or a rule that it shouldn't have or something that it's doing wrong that causes these characters to be possible to build to the point that they're broken to where they do not function well in a party? If that's the case, is there anything in D&D that you could change where people could still have fun building wonderful characters but wouldn't build characters that are so overpowered that when they roll, they have a success that's ridiculous because all they've done is min-max it and the rest of the party who came there to roleplay, came there to have fun, to be a character, to do that, who do try to play well, but they're rounded characters, aren't left in the dust for this one dude. Is there something about the rules that could change to better facilitate a more balanced play so that the GM's not having to pull aside Timmy, the power level, every time that he builds a character, and he loves that character? Because it's sort of bad to him because he's following the rules. See, yeah, maybe is, he's an ass in some people's eyes, but he's not doing it intentionally. This is weird because I'm right now actually thinking of, like, magic, how sometimes they just come up with shit that they're like, this is really cool, oh my god, this is gonna be so awesome. Like Oko? Yeah, and they're then like, they have to say no. And they're like, oh shit, this is too broken, yeah, we have to ban this. Yeah. But... But that's changing how, the core rule. How do you ban something in D and D? You have to eradicate. That's the you thing. You have a conversation at your table. As much as I hate to say it, it sounds like a broken record. But the system itself doesn't handle that at a meta level because there's nothing at a meta level that truly does yeah. break yeah. the system like that. There could be instances. I make the the ammo uh, or the arrow of arcane uh, dimensional Tom shenanigans. It's a portable hole with a little stick in, stick to it that drops a box a uh, bag of holding into it and sends everybody to the astral plane. You know what? That's a great idea. As a DM, I'll let you get away with it once. Yeah, but here's yeah. the deal: D and D is notorious for being a system you can break in. There's others that you can, but D and D. Back when I was playing three point five. They had to make changes for, you know, bag of holdings because people would assassinate people with bags of holding. Like, they tried to hey, cover hey, so hey, much Matt. that... Okay. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. You're running D&D 3-whatever. Yeah. I have this book called The Ultimate Book of Overpowered Feats. Can I use feats from this book? Is it from 3.5? 
it's 3.5 rules compatible because they had the open game license. Why are you complicating that? We're talking this about a system. This is me honestly telling okay, you. Okay, I would say if it wasn't published by D&D, if it wasn't published by Wizards, if it was fan-made or if it's open source compatible, then no, because their rules are going to be worse. Congratulations, you just made a call. Yeah, I did make a call, but then when you get to 5th edition and everything is in the actual published books... That's the problem. But not everything There's is. not everything in 5th edition books. Do you but know how I'm many source books there are? There, there are fewer 5.0 books than 3.5 books. I'm saying if you run within 5th edition published books and you break it using their published rules. This is what I'm getting at. 5th mm-hmm. edition doesn't have a lot of shit that's broken. It really doesn't. 5th okay. edition has been pretty damn awesome so okay, far. Then, the, uh, I'm done with that. Well, you're, one you're, of fine, you're done. <laughs> well, fine, I'm done. I was, if I was Wizards of the Coast, the people running D at the D at the time, mm-hmm. if I knew something was broken or brought, brought to my attention, I would have ratted it. I would have an ongoing forum like you do with your other products. They do now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought we were talking about stuff that I didn't know we were talking about. Yeah, okay. We're if good. your answer was it's no. fixed in five, just say it's fixed in five and I would move on. Oh, well, it's, it's mostly fixed in five. Okay, yeah. then I have nothing to fix. Like, one yeah. of the most broken things in but five that's common, me, quote, air quotes, common, is fighter dual crossbows can do crazy amounts of damage. It's a lot of specialization, but yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, you chose a fighter to be a ranged character. Okay, you're gonna do a lot of damage, but you're nothing else. No, the, you're 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 a boom. To me, broken class or that's glass all. cannons. To me, that's the, the the big thing. When I was looking research wise, the sor the sorlock combination, the paladin lock combination, the paladin yeah. sorcerer warlock combination. Uh, you can do some crazy things with just by adding. By taking human and adding fighter to it, grabbing like that extra feat because you're human. You take the variant human yep. class, and grab the crossbow I, mastery. Yep, and I think this then, has something to do with a um, what's it called? Strummy instrument. Bard. Dang, thank you. I think I thought it had something to do with a bard. But there's always going to be the potential to break. So the question oh, yeah. is. How do you? What's the proper way to deal with that? Is it errata the one rule because that rule keeps popping up everywhere, or is it ban that rule at your table? Yeah. Or is well, I it, was coming from the perspective you said if you were in charge of D and D, yeah, what would you do? That that yeah. doesn't have me sitting at a table. Five point oh. Okay, but there's there's, there's nothing. Then I would have ratted the rule if I was that. Yeah, I think that I they should probably do better on ratting it. I didn't know they were doing better. They're doing. Me. They're doing much, much better. better if these I was days. the head of D and D, yeah, and I had to choose how to fix it. It's, I can't sit down Keeping at every table and <laughs> tell Keeping people how to run ass. <laughs> Keeping more of a living archive. Uh, fifth edition SRD is really good about getting updates. So they they really have done a, an amazing job of moving to a more modern system of. Yeah, hey, yeah. this changed and we're changing this. Yeah, because what I remember in 3.5 is we're going to check out new stuff as fast as we can and make a ton of breaks. And we're not going to look oh. back and we're not going to change it. And so when you get someone to sit down at the table, 
You're going to have to have a toppling one. Why? Because all that stuff doesn't work together without being broken at times. The fifth, uh, 3.5 eventually felt like rifts. Yeah, it was just because hey, look, I got standard damage and rifts had, damage. Rifts had you could do a, make a Macross and you could make a Ninja Turtle. And while they technically were both built in the same system, they definitely were not the same power level characters. No, a Macross would murder a Ninja Turtle. Because <laughs> you had Glitter Boys that had. Literally it? walking around with a nuke. Yeah. You, you had, had juicers who had. They traded. Uh, they had a, an incredibly short lifespan. They lived five years. But they were steroid junkies. Okay. That they were just super god well, and combat. Macross, the, the Palladium made the, the problem of having standard damage and then another damage set that's bigger than standard. Killing damage, yeah. standard damage, magic damage, and. Even more deadly killing and damage. They, they couldn't <laughs> balance it. Because the Glitter Boy did a damage that wasn't even standard damage. Yeah, and, they were crazy. Yeah. And the problem is, is, without balance to it, you have a harder time telling people, hey, you can't build it. Because some of these people, here's the other problem. People that min-max, if you don't catch it ahead of time, they'll go through several game sessions waiting to level up to that point. And they've built their character 100% for that. And it feels like shit for them. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's broken. You can't do that. That's the only reason I built this. You know, and uh, I hate making people feel like shit. Sometimes they have that happens though, yeah. and they and have a choice to make at that point. Yeah, rebuild and something, s- retweak it, but at the same or time, say they well, followed the rules I, and they feel shafted. So maybe if the rules didn't lead them down that path, they know it would what be easier they were doing. Like this you strikes don't, me as, you don't min max and not know your min max. But this strikes me as a conversation between people as to what the goal of the game is. Yeah. Like for example, Star Wars Saga Edition. It's a dead system. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Everything that has ever been published for it is it. There's not going to be anything else added to it unless it's third party, whatever. Right. So okay. we know what this game can and will not do. Right. Yeah. There's a feat. There's a feat that you can take that doubles your proficiency in a skill or skill specialization, right? Yep. There's a skill. Use the Force. You might imagine in a Star Wars universe, it's a pretty god mode skill, right? Yeah, it really. Should be. Okay. I mean, unless you're learning it and you're just at this point going, bring me that can of pop. Rattle, 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 right. rattle, rattle. So we're sitting down at a game, at a table to play this game. At level one, as a human, because it's deep, in, it's a three point five base system. You could use your human bonus feat to take skill specialization, use the force at level one, mm-hmm. and immediately turn around. And because you dropped your eighteen in that, so you got a plus four. You get a plus one from your first level in the skill, and then you get another plus five for taking skill specialization, use the force. Right? Okay. So now I've got a plus ten in every roll at level one for use the force. Right? Yeah. Pretty badass, right? Yeah. I like this. I'm amazing. Dude, skill focus use the force at level one as a Padawan just doesn't feel right to me. As a DM, I personally say I want put level five or level eight as a prerequisite to skill focus use the force. So. This is a conversation. This is not. But it's part of the system is broken. That allows them to do that. It is. Yeah. So, my how thought do we was, fix it? My thought was once again that it would be better because here's the deal: like if, if you're going to change it, 
having these sit-down sessions because here's the other thing. That person can play that in one group and be perfectly fine because they love the overpowered stuff and they're a bunch of chuckleheads. And absolutely. And they take it to another group. We're playing and they the get Force Unleashed campaign and I want you guys all to be powerful. I firmly recommend that you take yeah. this feat within the first five levels. Yes. And they take it to another group. They don't know any different. We've got one There's group. There's not a standardized thing. And Which is why, in my personal opinion... The biggest change we can do to D&D is a chapter in the DMG. Saying, some of our rules are broken. Hey. Please ignore them. Well, there's already, there's, already a, there's a page in the DMG that already says, hey, when it comes to your personal table, fuck the rules. Okay, then changing the rules doesn't matter if the rules don't matter. This isn't talking about changing the rules. rules this was talking a, about changing the system. Rules are a guideline. Yeah. This was stuff that the felt funny. The rules are part of the system. No. Not rules. No. Rules are okay. a guideline. Okay. And you know? Something that I honestly was thinking of is how many combinations between race, you know, um, class, class, feats, weapons, different everything. Are they going to go through and build these from 0 to 20 to make sure there's nothing broken in it at all? They can play test as much as they can, but somebody may stumble across something eventually, and how many people are going to stumble across it? Are they... That's what I was saying with the other thing. They can't play test every single magic card in every single situation, but they have a lot of. But teams. how are they finding I out what his about argument these? Is. That's well, this is, there's nothing to move on from. This is our conversation. Yeah. Like, well, that's, what you've that's, called into question is the entire concept of the show of this episode. What would you change about D and D? A rule. Because the rules are part of the system. The entire system is built on rules. Without the rules, you don't have a system. What makes VTM different than D&D? The Setting. rules and the ways they do it. Oh, say, I can run a D&D group game with people that play as vampires Setting in a modern plot. day. I make up the plot as the GM. The theme what? is mine to do. No. Okay, how I've run post-apocalyptic D&D games. Where's the mechanic? Where is the mechanic for losing your humanity in D&D? You can build that. You built that. Okay, That's hang on. Like part of the There's set. entire forums that make different settings, different things, Absolutely. different everything out of D&D. Yes. D&D is not just medieval fantasy. Absolutely. So D&D I agree isn't with that you. setting. D&D is how you run the game. I agree with you. And the way that you determine things is based upon the rules that it gives. My point's moot because you've already said that there's a living errata that is for 5.0 that I did not know about. The way that I would fix it is saying, oh, you realize that someone who takes this, this, and specializes in this becomes stupidly overpowered. So we will keep it from being that. We will either make that further down the line that they can take it, or make it to where it doesn't give that much of a plus. Mm -hmm. That's the way I would fix it. Because just saying to people, listen, I know by the rules you can build this. But we don't want it in this game because it's overpowered. It's also slightly unfair to the player who built it. They, A, may not be a dick. Mm -hmm. They, B, may not know that that was going to be harmful. And C, 
they may not have even done it intentionally. Okay. So the way that you'd fix it, from the D&D standpoint, is you would fiddle with the rules. You would have to change the rules as it came up to your attention, because no, there is no way that you could pre-game out all of them. I agree with you. But the okay. problem with 3.5 is, is that they never did that. I agree with you. Okay. And then I made this argument, and it wasn't until halfway through someone said, oh, 5.0 has an errata thing. So, yeah, that makes that's what I would Even do. Even Pathfinder has an errata thing. I didn't know that either. Yeah. I'm used to books, whenever they state it, they're done and they move on. Because that's what most um, most RPGs yeah. have been. No, they've gotten a lot better at that. But I kept hearing, you talk to them about the thing. And I was like, well... Oh, if no. there's a problem with the yeah. rules, well, then it should if, be changed. If it hasn't been eroded yet. What happens then? Then what? Wizards of the Coast decides, okay, uh, if you take 5th level Barbarian and you give it this power, it sucks. It's it's not fun for the whole team. I'll, t- I'll do you one real, real quick. Uh, monk, four, four Elements Monk, is currently considered underpowered. It actually what? is. It is. It certainly is. Yes. There are. I play it for flavor. There are playtests right now going on in Unearthed Arcana and uh, in behind the scenes, even even less than Unearthed Arcana. There are people that are building fixes. Yeah. One of these fixes mm-hmm. goes through and gets approved. So the next time they put out a splat book, say four years from now, because they're taking their sweet time with splat books. They're mostly putting out adventures. And they put out a new version of Four Elements Monk. Okay? That's why you have the online errata. The online errata isn't official. Okay? You'd have an official one. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying, the online errata... They put out the online errata. They put out the new version of the book. Mm -hmm. Or the new version. They changed the rule. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're playing this game. We've gone from level one to level sixteen, and we've got four levels left in the in, before we hit the cap. And we've been playing for two years. What do you do to Candace, who's playing a four elements monk, when the errata goes live? That's where the table thing comes into play. That's not the company's job to dictate that. Okay. When you're starting out and someone's built it, when you're talking about a different thing, a change mid playing something. Yes. Actually, yeah, the table's, the table's going to be the, the judge on it. That's just it. I'm not against that. But that's what I'm saying. Well, that's very different than no. what you were saying. No, no, no. It's not a change to the person's character while they're making it, while they've been playing it for you. Uh, con- contrary to that, one of our players was actually playing an artifier, artificer construct. Okay. And something that they had changed about, like, how their turrets and shit just went down and shot, and they're like, so every time now, when I set down my shit, it scoots back five feet and does this, and now I can't do this, and because they're like, okay, it's been rotted, so... Ranger. Yep. Okay. Fixed it. Here. And... Let me answer what y'all are asking. Y'all are trying to tell me, no. what if the errata sucks? No. No, no, What if no, it no, changes no, their character? No, I'm asking you. You. You're yeah. running a game, errata comes out and changes the game. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? That's very different than my answer with having an errata, because in that stance, I was D&D headquarters. Okay, yes. Yeah, in this stance, yeah. is it broken in your game? 
Yes or no? If no, continue on. Okay. Cool. All right. Next time y'all build something, and something changes, or you start a new game, then use new rules. But that's what I was getting at, is that he gave us the choice of, this errata has come out, I would like to follow it. The player decided, I don't like the way this errata yeah. works with my original idea of the character, yeah. and said, No, I'm okay, not against our, you on that one. Our character That's very now different than my no. answer at the beginning of what would I do as D&D headquarters. No, yeah, no but absolutely. you're D&D headquarters, and they changed it, and for yeah. some people it worked. For our specific group, it didn't. So I'm yeah. giving you what okay. the in-group yeah. and our in-group answer yeah. to it I wasn't was. answering no. it from in-group answers. No. Well, hold on. We're putting Matt back into the role of Chief Wizard of the Coast. Right. You are High Lord Poobah of... All right. And, the, and it comes up to you that if you combine Feet A and Character Class Trait B, you get something broken. Mm-hmm. Something that didn't come up in playtesting. Yeah. What do you do? The same thing I do for my other products. Mm-hmm. One, you outsource, you have an actual open board on the online, mm-hmm. which is well-versed with the community. Any good company that is actually doing well to make their product good and dynamic keeps in contact with their fans and keeps in contact with the community. I'm not saying, is they, are they, are they not doing it? This is what I would do. I would find out if this is a problem for them. If it is, I would fix it and eradicate it on the board. I would have a, a normal update schedule. It updates every month for the different changes. That's what they do in TCGs. That's what they do in fighting games. That's what they do in all other kinds of entertainment. All other kinds of games where there's some sort of way that things can become imbalanced. It's the job of the people to make it to make sure it stays balanced. What D&D has always done at least in the old one, I don't know about the new one. They've left it up to tables to do it. And it causes problems because people will believe the game is one thing. They've played it with groups one way. And they get into a different situation. And the table's like, no, this is busted. And if you're a very timid GM, if you're not a confrontational GM, if you're a new GM, and someone comes up with a busted something or other that's completely by the rules, you don't have the backing of DND itself to say this is broken, because they can look at the book and point out and say, see, it's in the book. But if you have the backing of DND itself, it says, this is broken. If your group says, no, we don't think it's broken, then guess what? You're not a competitive game. You can sit down at the table and they can play it any way they want. But it gives leverage for GMs that are sitting there going, this dude's running a muck in my game. And he is so outclassed, and these other newbies aren't class enough that I can't throw a balanced encounter for them, where either he doesn't kill it immediately, or and they feel like Boy Scouts, or it's too hard for him, and now they're all dead except for him. Then they have the backing and say, well, on the form, on you know the DD site, they actually have a fix for this. So we're going to build our characters where there's a fix for this, so that that doesn't become a problem. Because people are always going to take the path that's going to be most fun with them. And for a large portion of people that play D&D, not all of them, it's sort of like the difference in magic. Some people like having fun with doing goofy combos. Some people like having fun, you know, making tribal stuff. And some people like doing counter spells and like doing broken stuff. 
And that's when you get players that have Oko, and they break Oko, and then two weeks of Oko being out, Wizard of the Coast has to go, for the sake of the community, we're banning Oko. You can do that with a TCG. You can't ban classes and DMD quite so easily, but you can at least change things to where they're on a balanced playing field. Because, yeah, it's a lot harder with DMD, but here's the deal. Fun can be had by everyone, but if you have an out in your game to where people can make something unfun, people are going to find that either intentionally or unintentionally. And at some point, you have to address a player who's done nothing wrong except for follow the rules and be like, yeah, about that character. Stop playing it. That's not going to be fun to that person who's just built this and didn't know that it would offend anyone. So, if I was in the head of D&D, I would have it to where it was reviewed, people could talk about it, people could do that, and put it there. In the same way, like, you have underpowered uh, characters. Instead of just saying, well, they're underpowered, y'all deal with it, fix it yourself. Have a push internally to say, hey, we realize that when we put this out, and we know this now, this is underpowered. Here's what we want to do to change that and make that more balanced, too. And so, you can give them, like it is in other games, buffs and nerfs. Well, as much as I hate to, like, wrap us up on this really weird note, I think, uh, hopefully this <laughs> mess is going to be worth, uh, worth listening to. Um, if I made it unaudible, I apologize. I, I think we're going to be okay. Um, Nothing is uneditable. I stand by the stay a while and listen rule zero. If you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And rule one, talk about it like grown-ups. But uh, I agree that's not necessarily the end-all be-all answers. One of the rules should definitely be Matt is not allowed to dress up like a pony. Yeah, well... Until they make a law about it, now and we're in, and we all just have to deal. It's, it's just been really awkward with that person standing behind you as the hind leg scratching the whole time. I'll talk to him about the scratching. That's obviously what annoys you. It's the clip clopping, <laughs> but I'm going to have to edit and post. Yeah. Well, if you didn't hear a single clip clop, I did a damn good job. <laughs> I don't think you deserved a chair yet, so... <laughs> Uh, so we're going to thank Kevin McLeod and Competech.com for providing our music. Uh, Faster Does It in Darkseyland is the intro and outro. Any last little words with the sign-on? No. Have a good week. Bye, everybody. Thank you.